but we're believing God for outstanding uh, ministries this coming week. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, let's go to 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, chapter 3, verse number 2 to 3. And if you would stand for the reading of the Word of God. We apologize for other screen not working. We had to remove it and get it uh, fixed so it'll be right for turning point. First John chapter 3, verse number 2. We're continuing our series on tension theology. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, we are already God's children. Everyone say, already. But he has not yet shown. Everyone say, not yet. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. I want to talk to you again today about another tension. Already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. Again, this is a, an oxymoron, contradiction in terms, but it works. Already, but not yet. Let us pray. Let's pray that we have a prayer request for Sister Marcia and her family as her dad has passed away. And uh, let us pray for them. Hallelujah. We also want to pray for Sister Bridget, who's gone to Zimbabwe, and her father, Amos, who has cancer. Let us pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for these precious ones, for Sister Marcia and her family. We ask you, Lord, that you would give them your peace, your comfort at this time of loss. Lord God, give them strength, Lord, and meet every need and grant to them your provisions. Lord, comfort them now in Jesus' name. And for Brother Amos, Lord God, who was baptized when he was here, Lord God, received your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, that you would heal this man, that you would bring a divine intervention, Lord God, and perform a miracle, Lord God, for your word promises, Lord God, that by your stripes we are healed. And so bring healing to this man, comfort that family, give them encouragement and strength in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, Lord God, for your word. It is anointed, but right now we ask you that you would anoint your servant. Lord God, let the living word preach the written word, Lord God, and let it speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, O oh God. Let us draw ever closer to you as we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and thank the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We've been looking at this idea of, of tension, tension theology, where uh, there seems to be uh, these contradicting ideas that sometimes we as human beings have a tendency of gravita gravitating to one at the expense of the other. Because we have this false notion that competing ideas are always mutually exclusive. That is not always true. As we have seen many things in the world, 
in God's Word itself, in, in science, in the physical world, and even within ourselves, concepts and ideas may seem opposed on the surface, but they are in fact compatible, like the tension of a rope, like this rope here, that's being pulled or held on either side. We have a tendency just to focus on one side, and we forsake the other. Uh, just like sometimes people view the scriptures as uh, the only way to be saved is you've got to do and obey. And, and, and if you just focus on the one side, then there's a tendency to become legalistic. It's all about works. Or on the other side of salvation, that it's all about God's free gift and grace, that we have no responsibility. And if you only focus on that, then there is a tendency or propensity uh, that, that you're not going to live a godly life, that you're going to live however you want because it's by God's grace anyway. So we've looked at that over the last several weeks. We've looked at grace and truth or mercy and judgment. We've looked at uh, the provision or, of deliverance or to not be delivered, but if not, uh, we've looked at the humanity and divinity last week and, and applying that to our flesh and spirit that is at war within us. We are in the world, one side, but we're not of the world. Amen? Uh, we're not called to leave this, this population. We're not called to go into a monastery in the wilderness so that we are not uh, polluted by the sins of this world. Uh, no, we are called to be in the midst of lost people. And at the same time, to not allow the sins of the world to get into our lives. And so we're going to look at something else here today about uh, already, but not yet. The church is full of hypocrites. I, I thought I'd say something to wake you up just from the outset here to, to see if I can get your attention. The church is full of hypocrites. Is an indictment often heard, leveled against the church. And there is some truth to that. Simply because, even though we are Christians, we are still flawed human beings. Amen. Amen. Thank you. There's a couple of you that agree. Some of you are already there. You're already in, just at the doorstep of heaven. But there are none of us that are perfect. And I often hear people say, well, well, I don't want to go to this church because I want to find a church without hypocrites. I want to find a perfect church. Amen. And uh, I would say to that person, well, if you find the perfect church without hypocrites, don't go there. Because <laughs> as soon as you step in, you'll be the hypocrite. There is no perfect church, amen, no matter how noble and how righteous and, and how good the people are, there is no perfect church until we get to the other side of heaven, amen, because we are still human beings, and uh, even if you, you find a, a church of spirit filled with powerful services, yet they are still filled with flesh and blood. And while we are still in the flesh, we are still susceptible to failures, to mistakes, to being broken, 
to, to treading on each other's toes, to having a bad attitude, to being weak, and for having the propensity to fail. Amen. We will not find a perfect church. Yet the Bible tells us, John in that, in that text that we read tells us that we are already the children of God. Amen. Let, let me just establish this fact. Despite how bad we are sometimes, regardless of our mistakes, and we have bad days, we have bad hair days. Amen. Except for those of you that don't have any hair left. Amen. I want to remind you that you are already the children of God. Beloved, according to the King James, that same version, beloved, behold, now are we the sons of God. Amen. That regardless of these fail, failures and frailties, we are already accepted that the moment that you become born again, the moment that you give your life to Jesus, you repent of your sins, you are baptized in Jesus' name and are filled with the Holy Ghost. And that could take a moment. It doesn't take very long for that to happen. But as soon as you are born again, you are already accepted. Amen. You are already entered into the kingdom of God, despite the fact that you may not know very much of the Bible, despite the fact that you may still have some bad habits, you may still have some hang-ups. Amen. I remember in the reading of Brother Bernard, David Bernard, the superintendent of the United States, in his church, they had a revival, and, and there was a man that was first time in the church that, that received the Holy Ghost, that was born again and was baptized, and Brother Bernard got him up on the stage and asked him, you know, interviewed him and asked him how he felt. Well, in front of this whole church, and he's got a big, large church, he started to express, express his joy by using cuss words swear words in front of the whole church and a lot of those apostolics they put their hand over their mouth and gasping and wondering oh my goodness did he just say that at church on a Sunday and, and brother Bernard turned around and said well, you, I want you to know brothers and sisters folks that this man is exactly where God wants him to be he is a child of God he is accepted and he is as, as much part of the kingdom of God as I am amen can I tell you that the moment that you are born again, from that time on, that you are a part of the children of the family of God, that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Amen. Can I just reiterate this just for a few moments to tell you that if you are a child of God, you are a son and daughter of the King that you are royalty, that you are somebody special, that you are awesome, and in the sight of God, you are his son, you are his daughter, and you are accepted. Amen. Praise God. I saw this week, what's his name? Uh, Harry, not Harry, William, and, and the, the, the wife, Kate, take their little children to school. You know, they go to the most expensive school, schools that cost about $40,000 a year for their kids to go and get the best education, and everybody's watching them, all the media looking at them, and their the cute little uniform, and the cute little bags, and, and they got the best, you know, his uniform is probably more expensive than my, my most expensive suit, you know, and, and he, he, they've got the, the world at their feet, they've got every kind of privilege that is due 
to a prince and heir to the throne. Amen. And I said, well, that's wonderful. Amen. But I, I've got no media looking upon me. Thank God for that. I, I don't have the paparazzi over my wall taking pictures of me. But I want to remind you, and I, I've got to remind myself that I'm a child of the king, that I'm an heir to the throne. It might not be an earthly throne. It might not be an earthly kingdom. But the Bible says when we are born again, we enter into the kingdom of God. And we are a son and daughter of the king. And you've got to get that in your mind and in your spirit. You've got to get that into your everyday, not just when you come on a Sunday and put on your Sunday best and say, God, I'm feeling good. But when you got to go to work on Monday and Tuesday, wearing that high vis and wearing just your overalls and getting all dirty but don't you fret you ought to walk into that workshop work into walk right into that warehouse knowing that I am a child of the king oh I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying that I am more than a conqueror that's what the Bible says you are already a winner you are already victorious I've read the back of the book I've read to the end and I know that we are victorious hallelujah that means no matter what I gotta face in this world if I've gotta face sickness if I've gotta face problems and trials I've read to the end and I know that when the final bell shall sound the referee's gonna grab my hand and say still the undefeated champion of the world why because I can do all things through Christ. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You are already a child of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You, got, you don't have to work your little self off so that you can be received by God. But already you are part of his family. And you ought to walk in that victory. Oh, I've come to help somebody. If you can just have a little mindset change. If you can just have a little transformation of your thoughts by renewing your mind. Then you're not going to go start doing stuff that doesn't belong to you. You're not going to start looking at stuff that's not resolved for princes and princesses princes don't hang around the gutter princesses don't hang around the places of real repute but you are a child of God and so walk Oh, I'm just preaching to myself right now. I got to remind myself, even if they don't say amen, even if they, uh, my preaching isn't always so good, that's okay. I'm still a child of God. I'm still victorious. There'll be another Sunday. There'll be another sermon. There'll be another, oh, I wish, uh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You got to get that in your spirit. You say, well, I can't believe that. You don't know how my mama treated me. You don't know how my father abused me. I don't know what about all your background. But there's one thing I do know that God's word declares that you are victorious. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, this is first service. I don't have much time. This is not a warm-up for 11.15. 9.15, God wants to move upon your life. He wants his word to get through and penetrate the hardness of your heart. Penetrate the pride. Penetrate the arrogance. Penetrate, oh, I wish somebody, penetrate the self-righteousness. He wants his word. What's stopping you? Open up your heart and don't let anything stop 
stop God's word from doing a work in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, preacher. I believe you already. I'm already a child of God. Then why is it that I still have to go through these problems? Why is it sometimes that it feels like but life is so overwhelming that I, can't, I feel like I can't even make it? That's all well and good. And I didn't preach that to hype you up. It's the truth. But while we are still in flesh, we are still limited to this physical body. We are still limited to the restraints of the material world. We still have to live in tension of this world. You see, even though you're born again and you're already accepted, yet we just still have to strive. Yet we still have to push through. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, here it is, watch this. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest or your behavior, conduct honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. He said, you are a holy nation, but you still got to pursue you still got to press forward. You still got to work at doing what God has called you to do. You still got to abstain from fleshly lust that wars against your soul. Even though we are accepted and our, our victory is guaranteed, the Bible says the battle is the Lord, but the victory is ours. Yet we still have to strive, the Bible says. We still have to pursue. We still got to, uh, amen, uh, emulate Christ that we might be more and more like him. The Bible says to pursue holy. Holiness, or, or to follow after holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. That even though we are perfectly accepted where we are, we can't remain in that state. We can't just remain in that, that childlike or infancy state. But we've got to pursue growth and transformation and change and become more and more like Jesus. I've come to tell somebody here today, yes, you are accepted and blessed, but it doesn't remain all the only there. But you You've got to keep pressing on. You've got to keep pushing forward. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus, he likens being saved to being born again. That's why when he told Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thinking, what do, you, what do you mean? Do I go a second time into my mother's womb? And there are some churches today that teach that. That being born again simply means the, the breaking of the waters of, of, of when you came out of the womb. But Jesus said, except a man is born again of water and of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And I think this analogy is so, is so uncanny because we just, it's, it's comparison to the natural birth. 
that just as a person is born naturally into this world as a baby, that baby, as soon as it is, as it is born, mom and dad accept that baby. That when that baby's born, there's, there's no decent mother or father will say, well, well, look, he can't even clean up after himself. He can't put on his own nappy. You need to go to work. Of course not. The baby is completely hopeless and helpless in a sense uh, that he can't take care of itself. Uh, yet as soon as that baby is born, even before it's born, already, it's already when, the, when the, the, the mother is pregnant with the child, they're already talking to the child while it's in, its, in the mother's womb and they're speaking good things. It's already accepted. Oh, we got some future plans for you, son. We've got some great things ahead for you, my daughter. It's already accepted even before it's born. And when it's born, into this world it is taken care of it is loved but in the process of time as it begins to mature in the process of time there's growth and development that takes place the baby can't stay a baby forever it may be like that for the first 18 months or two years but eventually if the baby's not walking at two years of age there's something wrong with the child eventually the baby's got to grow it's got to learn to talk it's got to learn to communicate it's got to learn to grow and mature into this adulthood into eventually adolescence and adulthood and then it becomes what God had intended that child to be it's the same with us when we're born again we're like infants spiritual babies we don't know what it is amen to really pray we don't know what it is to really read the word and to to go to church but after a while when we get around the church that's the mother and we develop a relationship with the Father, Heavenly Father, then there's growth that takes place. We can't stay in the same place. We can't stay in the same stage, but we've got to mature and you've got to grow. I've come to tell somebody here today, amen, that no matter what goodness and great things that God has done for your life, you've got to pursue greatness. You've got to pursue growth. God's got something greater for you than when you were you're at right now. He's got something more for you to experience of his power and of maturity that is brought in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Maturity's got to come. And it's not the same the way babies are physically. Because all you got to do is stick a bottle in the baby's mouth. And after a while, it's just going to grow naturally. But Peter says you've got to desire the sincere milk of the word. Amen. In other words, you've got to want to grow. Spiritual growth does not happen automatically. It doesn't happen organically. But you've got to apply some things in your life. You've got to place yourself in a position where you can begin to grow and experience the goodness of God. Philippians chapter 3. Let me give you some text here. Verse number 12. 3 and 12. The Bible says, not that I have already attained or already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has already has also laid hold of me he says there's a tension again I'm apprehending that which has apprehended me amen he, you know he could easily said well I've been apprehended God's gotten a hold of me and that's enough no he says God's gotten a hold of me and so I've got to get a hold of God 
It's the same in our walk with God. That if God's speaking to your heart, that God is moving in your life, if he's speaking and ministering to you, that's wonderful. But that's only half of the equation. That's only one side of the tension. But you've got to pursue more and more after him. It, it can't just be a church. It can't just be where, well, you know, I know when to say amen and, and I know how to dress the part so that I don't stand out anymore. I, I know what to say and I know a few people here and there know that even in church and outside of church, that you've got to pursue a closer walk with him you've got to desire him this is paul now writing this he wrote majority of the new testament and yet he says i'm still pressing i'm still apprehending he said watch this listen to what he says in verse number 14 he says verse 13 he says brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing i do amen you've got to have a singular focus in your life i'm I'm not saying you don't go to work anymore and I'm not saying you don't study you become all that you can be but there ought to be a singular focus and purpose over your life and that is as he said in his word forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are still ahead of me I press towards the goal for the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus come on church it's time for us to wake up and say yes God I know you've spoken to me now it's time for me to seek after you hallelujah glory to God verse 15 tells us therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal even this to you nevertheless to the degree, the degree that we have already attained let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Praise God. We are already victorious. But it's, we haven't realized it yet. That's why when we, when we get saved, when we get born again, we say, well, you're saved. But I, I grew up as a kid thinking, well, where salvation is making it to heaven. But, but we're not there yet. We're still in this old terra firma we're still in this old fleshly body. We're still limited and restricted. We're, we're, yet, yet the Bible says we sit in heavenly places with Christ. But I don't see heaven. In fact, when I look around my life a lot of the times, this is so far from heaven right now. This is so far. This is like, God, this, this resembles more like hell on earth than it does heaven on earth. And yet... It is true that we are already there, that we are in the presence of God, but we haven't gotten to heaven yet. That's why, I mean, unless, you know, we could, when we baptize you and you want to go straight to heaven, we can just hold you down a little longer in the water. In the name of Jesus. I'll give you three minutes. And you go straight to heaven. But folks, we don't we don't do that. It, it doesn't happen like that. And we've got to hold intention. There it is. Come on. Come on, Chris. We without detention. If we just live on the okay, I'm already accepted. Uh, you know, we, we just have this this human nature 
tendency to just say, well, you know, I, I just want, you know, we're not saved by anything. You know, we go to church, thank you, Jesus, for my salvation, and then go back home for the rest of the week and live like hell. Live however we want to do. Well, I don't need to change. I'm saved by grace anyway. And there, there's no strength. There's no tension. There's no, there's no potential energy. But if we hold the other side, now let, let that go, let go. On the other side, we run to the other side. I say, well, it's all about striving, and, and I've got to be holy, and I've got to be perfect. And yes, we pursue after that. But if it's just trying to pursue holiness just so that we can be accepted, then it, and it's a recipe for misery. It's, it's called legalism. It's a recipe where, you know, we're constantly frustrated because we never get there. And so we have to hold intention. Both the fact that as Christians standing there that we are accepted, and yet because we are accepted, we pursue after righteous living. We want to change our lives so that it reflects the glory and the image of God. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. You never stay in the same state. But I'm, I'm unfortunately, I'm afraid to tell you that it doesn't happen just by itself. It doesn't happen naturally that you're going to grow. But you're going to have to make some changes in your life. You're going to have to incorporate some things that will transform your life because you have to hold intention. I'm not doing this to earn salvation. I'm already saved. I'm already accepted but I'm doing this because I love Jesus because I want to please him and I want to walk with him and I want to walk just like him and I want to be like him more and more and day by day I'm becoming more like Jesus I'm not perfect I've been walking with him 27 years I've got so many flaws it's unbelievable but I'm not what I used to be I'm not what I should be but I'm so much better than I was when I was 19 years old amen that God has given me some things he's shown me some things when I've overcome drugs and alcohol and all kinds of immorality why because out of love for him he's changed me glory to God and so here this is so important because you got to realize we don't do it to, to try and be saved and earn his favor we are already favored we already have grace imparted upon our lives. The Bible says he has imputed righteousness in the same way that Abraham believed when God said you're going to be the father of many nations. The Bible says it was credited to him for righteousness. And it says in Romans chapter 4, the same way that we are, when we are born again, we are imputed righteousness. That means it is an input into you that you are righteous, accepted, righteous. But then the holiness of God begins to grow and develop. It begins to mature and take parts in our lives that brings us change. I, I want to show you a couple of things, and, and I've got three minutes. Matthew chapter 13, and here's, here's what happens. Matthew chapter 13, this is how it takes place. Verse number 33, another parable spake he unto them. Matthew 13, 33, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven or yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And he says, you put, you put a little yeast into the flour. And after a while, the, whole, the yeast takes a hold of the entire lump of flour. 
of meal. That's how change takes place. There's a little yeast that comes into the flour. It's, it's like uh, the, the input of, of God's uh, word in our hearts that it begins to change. And so I, I want you to look very briefly at three things. That when you put the yeast in the flour, then you kind of just leave it alone for a little while. Any bakers in the house? Anybody ever made bread? Amateur bakers? The great Australian bake-off? You leave it for a little while. And so you allow the yeast to, to take effect over that lump until it begins to rise. In, in other words, you, you've got to give it space. You've got to put that yeast and that measure of flour or meal, put it in the right environment. And here's how change takes place. You've got to change your environment. You've got to change where you're living. Amen. There's the most basic ways in which you can change is by altering your environment. If you keep going to the same place and hanging around the same people that are, are your sin buddies or your drug buddies, your alcohol buddies, guess what? You're going to stay the same. You've got to literally change your environment. You've got to stop hanging around places that are going to be negative for your spirit. You've got to start, stop hanging around places that are going to drain you of your spiritual life, that are going to tempt you because if everybody is sinning, you're going to be tempted to do the same. It's just human nature. That's why God called us into community because he knows if he, we're going to reach the world, we can only do it together. We can only do it as a family, as a community. Amen. And it is in that family that you learn to change and you learn to pick up things and, and you learn new habits and new things and new possibilities that when you hear the testimony of your sister and, and how she overcame depression and how she overcame all of these things all of a sudden in your heart and in your mind it rises up the possibility that hey maybe I can overcome depression maybe I can overcome the drugs and, and I can overcome the sins and the more you hang around the right people the more you hang around God's people I'm telling you it will bring change and transformation in your life Oh, come on, somebody. I want you to know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be standing here. I might still be out with the rest of my friends out there in the world in drugs or lost my mind or in, or in prison. But because I hang around you guys, because you accepted me even as a spiritual baby, even as a spiritual infant, some things began to change in my life. Hallelujah. Come on, even the children of Israel, even, even after all of the ten plagues that God said, get out from Egypt, even they had to do something, even they had to get out of their environment. If they were ever going to realize that the promise that God had for them, they had to get up out of their slave huts, out of their slavery conditions, pick up their belongings, pick up their clothes, and say, I'm out of here. I'm going to the promised land. I wasn't created. I wasn't promised to stay in Egypt. I was created for something so much more. You've got to do the same. You've got to change what you're watching you got to change where you're hanging out you got to change those relationships hallelujah otherwise you're just going to remain the same i'm a testimony of that I, I i went back i thought i could live for god and live for doing my own stuff at the same time but it doesn't work i'm telling you especially if you're a baby spiritual baby but i realized when i came back a year later from going back it was more miserable it was worse for me. I was more depressed and I was lost my mind. 
And when I came back to church, I knew nobody had to preach to me. I knew I couldn't keep hanging out in the clubs. I couldn't keep hanging out with my friends, even though they were good guys, they were good friends. But I was going to keep doing what they're doing. When I came to this church, you all accepted me. I, I thought, man, maybe I, I, I don't belong here. These guys are too holy. They're too pure. I, I thought everybody had an invisible halo on their heads. Taking off the jacket, their wings come out like angels. And then I got to know some of them. I quickly realized, oh, I'm not so bad. The tension. It didn't make some of those folks any less than the child of God. But I understood, I knew that I had to change my environment. I had to change where I was hanging out, where I was sitting. You've got to become a part of the church of the living God. I know you probably wouldn't look at, take a second look at me out in the world if you saw me. Like, who, who's this guy? You maybe walk across the other side of the road. I, I know we would never hang out because you would cramp my style. I said, no, that, that's not my style. Amen. But, but, but in the kingdom of God, we are family and we are committed to one another hallelujah that's why church is not just a fad it's a family that's what god says this is my body paul says the church of the living god it's a body and my part one part of my body never says to another i don't need you because you're not a hand so foot get away and i'm like in my brain says shut up hand i still need my foot i don't want to lose anybody part because we are all part of the same body oh i'm running out of time Coffee and tea beckons. Musicians, if you'd like to come. So the yeast, its environment begins to bring change to the yeast. You have to change your environment. I remember even as a young Christian struggling. I had so many hang-ups. You know, after church, I would, I would run right after, up to the top of the street and, and light up, have a cigarette for the first couple of months. God, it's a great service. <laughs> I was smoking since I was 13. I was addicted. I said, well, I, I, I didn't want anybody preaching to me. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with smoking. I, I started, there's no, no Winfield in the Bible. There's no Marlboro, no Camel, no, no Benson and Hedges or Dunhill. And again, I'm not here to condemn anybody to smoke. That's fine. But this is just my personal experience. But after a while, as I began closer to God, God just started speaking to me. I said, God, is this you? Nobody spoke to me. Nobody said anything to me. But as I'm walking with him and, and as I'm hanging around these with godly people, I said, I got to change. And God spoke to me. He said, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And if I'm going to fulfill what I've called you to do, if you can't even conquer something as simple as this, how in the world are you going to conquer your flesh? And so I, I, I prayed. This was at a men's camp. I, I, my first men's camp, I, I took those. I said, God, I'm committing this to you. Praise God. Yeah. And I went to work that Monday. I, I, and I, you know, it was smoke time with the boys. 
10 a.m. We're all having a cup of tea, and, and that's when we pull out the, the smokes, you know, the cigars. And, and I'm sitting there and said, oh, man, this is hard. Because my habit was to do this. So you know what I did? I said, I'm sorry, guys, I can't hang out here. I ran to the toilet. I was 20, 20 years old. I ran to the bathroom. I locked myself in the cubicle and at work. And I started to pray. I said, Jesus, you, you help me. Get rid of these, these desires. Get rid of this addiction. And for that whole day, I didn't touch it. I, I'm from the age of 13, boy, I tell you. I was even chewing tobacco. I put tobacco in the I'm spitting it out. I, I, was, I did everything that... It was in my bloodstream. But after the first day, then the second day came. Again, enjoy your smoke. I'm having an apple and banana. And again, the desires came back to, to you know, even, even if I, years later, even if I see like in a movie, somebody's smoking, like I, I get that tingling uh, desire. But I locked myself in the cubicle again. I said, Jesus, I'm talking to you right now. You need to get rid of these desires. One day became two days. Two days became one week. And here I am later. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just using that as an example, folks. God wants to lead you. He doesn't want you to stay a spiritual baby. He wants you to mature and progress to fulfilling. God's got a plan for you, folks. He, he's got a purpose for your life. He's got a calling. Hallelujah. You are accepted. But because you love Jesus, you're pursuing after righteousness and holiness and, and goodness you want to live a godly life not to earn salvation you've already got salvation but because he gave you the gift i mean what would it be if, if the richest richest man in australia say say, say here, here i'm going to give you this two million dollar house for free all you got to do is take care of it. i know sometimes people when they get something for free they don't take care of it. they don't value it but if this man said, I, I, I gave my, my heart and soul, but I want you to use it, and I want you to take care of it. And we've, got, we've got to do the same in what God has blessed us with. He's gifted to us. Would you stand to your feet? I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Would you lift your voices right now? I want you to know this is not about earning God's favor. You've already got it. But it's about us holding intention, the desire to pursue him more and more. If you keep, you know, the definition of insanity is, is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. If you keep doing what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. It's now time to hold intention. Yes, I'm loved. I'm, I'm gifted. I, what's owed to me, I can expect the blessings of God. I can expect the provisions of God. But, but there's some things that I need to change. There's some things that I need to give over to Him. There's some things that I need to surrender. I, I can't stay an adolescent when I'm already in my 20s. I can't act like a 15-year-old when I'm in my 30s, in my 40s and 50s. There's got to be some change. Hallelujah. And even if you are 15, God can bring change to you. You can be transformed. Hallelujah. Would you lift your voices in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, we humble our hearts before you. We bring ourselves under your mighty hand. We're asking you to change us. We're asking you to transform our lives. Oh God, Lord, help us to grow. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your acceptance. 
but Lord God, in the meantime, in the process, we are wanting after you. We are pushing. We are apprehending that which we have been apprehended of in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We come to know you more. We want to see you more. We want to do something different here today. We want to go beyond and not always going for the same thing over and over. But God, we want more of you. We just want to know you more. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I've got to stop this morning, but God is still at work right now in your life. And I want to open up this altar and invite you to come out of your seats and find a place to stand, to kneel, to sit, whatever you feel comfortable. But now is your time to respond to God's word. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. But it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we shall see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah to God. He that is pure purifies himself. How can that be? How can you be pure when you still need purifying? That's the tension. You're pure, but it's time to purify your heart. The presence of the Lord is here. Ministers and leaders, if you come. Ministers, wives, leaders, wives. Please come and pray for those that are here right now. The power of God is descending right here. more to God that we haven't touched there's more to him he is unsearchable in all his riches and knowledge he is beyond you can enter in and walk a closer relationship with God oh hallelujah come on open your heart don't allow your heart to remain shut and closed but open your spirit open your heart let him come in and let him bring change Oh, hallelujah. 